Welcome to the Fourth Watch. As the world is falling apart, the church should be coming together, but we have to wake up first. Biblical prophecy is unfolding and we keep looking for a new normal. The enemy is parading in broad daylight, we keep changing the channel. The media keeps saying look left when the real activity is happening to the right. 2020 caught everyone off guard, which leads to one very important viewpoint. Every demonic influence running rampant in America right now had to go through the church to get here. It's time we changed our focus and our footing. No more excuses, no more racial divide, no more ignorance, and no more country club church. The enemy feels like he's on a winning streak, but we're here to remind him and you of our biblical and American heritage. We serve the Lord of Angel Armies, and we thrive when our backs are against the wall. The goal of the Fourth Watch is clear, to equip you with a biblical foundation as it relates to spiritual warfare. You don't need to be a pastor or a teacher to recognize what's happening, and the Bible is filled with references to the last days. History isn't repeating, it's setting the stage. One of our generations has to be the last, and no one is coming to save us but God. So how do we see things as he intended? How do we see the enemy at work in our daily lives? How do we respond to demonic attacks against ourselves and our family? How do we identify the deceivers masquerading as politicians, celebrities, influencers, and even pastors? And more importantly, how do we bring revival when most Christians are focused on culture over kingdom? The fourth watch is from 3 to 6 a.m. daily, the darkest hours before the dawn. It's when Abraham raised his dagger, when Jacob wrestled with God, when Peter stepped onto the water, and when Jesus arose the third day. Now, the fourth watch is our effort to show you how spiritual warfare isn't just real, it's raging. And whether you choose to see it or not, every single one of us has a role to play. Journey with us as we search the word, discuss current events, put our faith into action, and use ourselves as an example along the way. Welcome to Spiritual Warfare for the Masses. Welcome to the fourth watch. Welcome to the fourth watch podcast. I'm with the world-renowned Graham Hetrick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just got done building a goat barn so we could come over here and have the podcast. So that's how world renowned I am. Yeah, pretty interesting project though. We're talking about self reliance nowadays, and a lot of that is because of the language that we're living under. Um, it has they they actually redefine things. For instance, if you have uh, a conservative christian evangelical then their definition of that is a person who uh does not like science uh is most likely racist and uh is overly nationalistic and that's not what this website about is about this website is about how do we live in a secular society as Christians, where many people see the state as their savior and we see Jesus Christ as our savior. And they work uniquely against us by the vocabulary they put both in legislation and in law. And just look at uh, what's happening on the websites now. Is like, I don't know how long we'll be staying up, but at least on this platform, but they have uh, people who are, um, what do they call them, truth verifiers, or really what they are. Fact is checkers. Yeah, fact checkers, that's it. And they are the worst in dealing with fact. So um, Steve had pointed out that words are so important, and 
They always have been. They've been used by government for years, for instance, Internal Revenue Service. Let me know, please, people, all of you write in that have gotten service from the Internal Revenue Service. And why'd they have to be internal? That's weird. <laughs> well, once you pay that check, you feel like you're getting an internal. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, so if you if you peel this back and you're talking language, mm-hmm. society is handing us language and the church has accepted the language because, yes. because we want to be these nice super pious, super, hey, Jesus loves you, we love you, go ahead and use those words. Right. Has it backfired? Well, it has in many ways, and we're not the first to recognize it. In 1967, uh, there was a quote from this minister that most people will know. The church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state. And never, never its tool. If this church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant, irrelevant, I've had a problem with that word all day, (laughs) irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. That was Martin Luther King. And so when I call the church a country club, affectionately, bingo. (laughs) And when we stumble on these words, it's not an accident. How recent was the article that posted that? This was in Zero Hedge, which is a great uh, resource for you guys, especially if you think the economy is going to come back. And uh, very good news that way and political news, too. Graham, why don't you reread it? Pardon? Just reread it one more time. The church must be reminded that it is the master. The church must be reminded it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state, and never, never its tool. If the church does not recapture the prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. So if nothing is pushing back on the social club, right? If the social club doesn't push back, nothing is pushing back on the social club, everything's fine. The social club exists, and the language exists, but what's happening right now is that the social club is getting pushed back on. The social club, for the first time, is actually getting affronted by saying the Bible is hate speak. It's double speak. Right. They're, they're giving us double speak back to us at a measure that is equal parts unwarranted. However, it's biblically known. This is supposed to happen. Yes. So on one hand, it's supposed to happen. What's the only way to push back on it? Well, in recent years, we've been submitting and obeying for orders, deferring to the authority of the state doing whatever the government officials tell us to do. The question the church should have been asking from the beginning is, what would Jesus do? Because he lived in the same type of thing, a secular state. But the church is the voice of Jesus today. Think about it. I mean, the church isn't saying, hey, listen to us, not Jesus. But the church is delivering the message of the gospel, the good news. 
And the deliverance of that message is let's just tolerate everyone because things will be fine. We'll be fine. Well, it reminds me of Caiaphas himself who said, look, <laughs> one man can die so that all the rest of us can live in this secular state. So in this case, there's no way to nail Jesus back up, right? Right. So can we continue to accept their language? No. It has to be called out at every time. And we also have to call out our own religious institutions as Christ did when he went to the temple. So our Christianese, right? Our language that we're using to make people comfortable and unaccountable and asleep. How do we call that out in a, in a measure that allows the pastors to actually do an about face or to continue going forward without invalidating the things that they say? Because remember, the pastors unfortunately are running a business because of that right i mean that that's the nature where we're at there's too much pressure in it but how do you get them off of that mark and say no no more business i don't care if i crash this entire thing down we're going to put our flags down put our feet down and we're going to approach this exactly as the gospel intended it wasn't until 2020 that i started to realize how grievous a mistake we made as Christians, when we allowed the government to give 501c3 non-taxable status to the churches, because then they control them. Well, then they control them. Well, that's just the income part. What about the occupancy permits? Right. If if you don't if you don't dance to <laughs> our tune, the church building is, permit, occupancy permit, everything. The church has a series of hooks in it that the government still has some measure of reach over. And because of that, but that but that's not even that's not even the worst part. The worst part is the parishioners, the people going to church, don't want a wartime message. They want a lifestyle message. Things will be fine. We're gonna COVID will go away. Life will go back to normal. Right. The people want what the church is giving. So does the church turn its back on fifty percent of the congregation? Well, not only that, it's, it's, it's abdicated so much of the laws of God, the principles of Christ. The partitions have been set up so that, and unjustly set up. Thomas Jefferson said, he never said that religion doesn't have a place in politics. What he did say is the state shouldn't establish a religion. Well, we have established a religion. It's Absolutely. called the religion of the state. It's called the religion of climate change. These are all done with religious zeal. And there is a scripture. And that scripture is every one of these bills that are passing are parts of the scripture of how we are creating a truth that cannot be contested or looked at. Unlike Christians who are asked to look at something and use discernment, they are saying, no, no, you can't use discernment. This is the way it must be. And that has to do with controlling a state and elite power rather than finding truth. So if the state's trying to assert this much control from a psychological perspective, what's... What's the level of insecurity of someone who's trying to exert control over someone else? Well, I think there's a level of hatred growing right now 
for Christians, and not just Christians, by the way. Uh, the, the Muslims aren't doing too well in uh, China right now either. They're being imprisoned and the organs are being sold. Nobody's getting a pass, but what if the perspective is the state, which is not God's state, the state knows how powerful an entire Christian body worldwide, disconnected, could be put into action by a Holy Spirit without the state's awareness, you know, approval or acknowledgement. So why are they so worried about Christians? They're insecure. They're insecure. They fear us. They should. Yeah. But not the current church. The church is harmless. No, it's not because of the church, but it is because of the Holy Spirit. It's the potential for us to operate within the Holy Spirit. Right. So really, these people are afraid of our potential. Correct. And it's, if we start uh, changing uh, the church structure itself, as, uh, as they tried to do in China, and even today, you said the other day you think it's possibly 100 million Christians over there. And there some, is, people, some people think 300 million. Well... And, and and the the suppression they're going under is amazing. And as we've talked before, and we're going to put it on the website, there's a book out, The Manual for Christian Dissidents by Rod Dreher. And it's called Live Not by Lies. And that's what we're doing. We're allowing words to stand and say, no, that's not right. That's not a true definition of the word. Keep talking. I think I need I'm not, you see, like, I'm picking up, like, the baby signal. It's not even picking up. All that is actually, it's like a third of what it should be picking up, but I have no idea. Keep talking. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going through this book right now, and uh, this Dreher book, Live Not by Lies. I think that it's a guidebook for what we are going to be going into and what we have to do. And in essence, it's decentralizing ourselves from the state because the state, well, let me tell you about the author. Uh, his grandparents and his parents uh, came from communist countries, were Christians, and they knew the great dissidents of Poland and other countries that were fighting against communist China or uh, Russia. And what they did was phenomenal. And they did it basically by first uh, not living by lies. And lies are created by false facts in terminology. So he realized that his grandparents and his parents were telling everybody, this is coming to America. This is going to happen here just like it did in Poland. And you're not going to... You're not going to do well by this. Then he talks about our pre-totalitarian culture. And that is interesting because this Zero Hedge uh, article also talks about how much what is happening today is just like it was in Jesus' time. In that it's... It's a widespread Roman Empire in Jesus' day. There was a police president. Citizenry was treated like, uh, were treated like suspects. And uh, resources against the state. There was perpetual war. 
military empire, martial law, political retribution against those who dared to challenge the power of the state. You're starting to feel like you're in Jesus' times now? Well, let me tell you, Jesus' times are here now again. We're living in a state that fears us, wants to suppress us, and doesn't want a good outcome for us. What if... Let me adjust my mic again. My back on? No? How about now? Is it better? Oh, hey. Hello. Yeah. Oh, hi. How okay. I, it sound good to, can't, sound good to me. I just can't, like, bump it up. Okay, so if, if this guy wrote a book, no one read it. No. No. It, it was only because of some people on the Internet that said, holy cow, we... We heard about this book, and then he started to get some interviews. Now they're actually starting to reprint it. I got one of one of eighteen left on Amazon when I bought it, so it's a it's a good book. So you can read all the books in the world. No yeah. one, no one's taking action. Well, you have to put them in action, and that's that's why I like about this book because it talks about the situation we're in, the progressive religion. Again, that religion controls the terminology the language the language right so how do we put this in action what's our what's our call to arms the first thing we have to do is value truth so we have to take those words and really define them so, we have to take our words in the scriptures and then we have to define them we have to put them in action but how do you then go against culture where our truth offends somebody else well one of the things you have to do is you have to talk about cultural memory we have to go back and think of how we were as Christians. The other night, um, it was Saturday. We were going to have something to eat. And I had what was called the short prayer book. And uh, this was a, a book that they would do at Vespers. But each home had Vespers. Actually, even when I was a kid, there was a, a township ordinance that you should be quiet from between three to five. And there shouldn't be a loud noise. You shouldn't mow your lawn and all that sort of thing because people would be doing vespers and prayers. So, Imagine that. So for those that weren't alive during the 1850s... <laughs> it's close, close. Can, can, explain, explain for the kids back at home what vespers are. Believe it or not, uh, that well, it was, it was prayer, family prayer, or if, if somebody was in like a monastery or something like that, it would be with other members of the Christian community, but they come together for prayer. And that's how they close out the evening and before dinner and that type of thing. And then all this changed and the terminology changed, and especially with this concept of there's church and then there's other life. But church life should be every day. When you get up, when you eat, Every day it should be church life. So let's address the chasm, right? Church okay. life should be every day, but we're talking to Christians. So are, Christ, are Christians even aware right now that there's a temple of Satan? No. And I, I was not aware. Uh, my daughter and I went over this website today because it was talked about on one of the reports and it was so scary in that I didn't think... I didn't think you, that you didn't Satan think had as massive a stronghold 
as he does have. And uh, Monica uh, downloaded much of what was on that website. It's a very sophisticated website. It's a great recruiting site. Okay, so let me ask you this, though. I mean, this is... Okay, so you're emblematic of the church. Satan's called the prince of the air. Since, <laughs> since the Garden of Eden, why did we underestimate him to have a cult following that's operating in broad daylight? Why? So when you say that statement that it scares you, I'm looking at it like, of course, and? Like, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, look at me and how much better I am. I'm just like, the church to have any semblance of this being shocking, scary, anything is a perfect example of where the church is and how far we need to come in a short period of time to push back what's happening. Well, if you look at these websites, they endorse things such as um, really pedophilia, if you, if you want to talk about it, and all kinds of other horrible well, things. Uh, they have ritual abortion. They have ritual abortion. Yeah, ritual abortion where they celebrate the abortion. Well, we're the ones that. Well, because you're, it's your body, so you can do what you want. Okay, so here's what it is. It's an indictment of us, sure. of the church. Anytime that something satanic actually scares us or surprises us, it's an indictment of how asleep we are. Well, that's right, because we gave up that oper- the opportunity to bring up our children in a way that was of the Lord. And if, if you are this close to death and depravity every single day, yeah, and this shocked or scared you, do you feel like you have been operating on the right footing towards spiritual warfare and the enemy? I think I, I've, seen, I've seen evil for intensely most people don't see for about 30 years but i didn't think it was such a concerted thing i mean we're talking we're talking battalions (laughs) platoons and companies and strategies and war strategies between two powers we i i really do feel now like i'm in this world but i'm not of it but what do you say to everyone else that's a quote-unquote Christian that will go to that website and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. What, or this is extreme. What, what, what do you think? People uh, thinking spiritual warfare is extreme. Well, yeah, people, that's a good point. They think this is extreme, but let me tell you, they're not getting kicked off of YouTube. I mean, and they, there, there's nothing. This is an endorsement. This is an endorsement of our society of it. They call it tolerance, but it, it is really blindness. It's blindness and lethargy. It's, yeah. It's the overall body of Christ being so asleep that we've allowed the enemy to operate in broad daylight because we never questioned it or pushed back or thought like, oh, it's just them doing their thing. Yet when it says the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour, right? <laughs> a lion is still a fucking lion. Yeah. Have you, when's the last time you saw National Geographic and a lion devouring a gazelle? It's not pretty. Yeah, I just saw one where it was devouring a hyena. That's what he wants to do to us. How could we have any level of posture that isn't extremely aggressive against this? Well, how many sermons other than, you know... Pray to Jesus and get it four times more and packed down and shaken. You know, that's that's one uh, thing you always hear in the church. 
but you don't hear uh, about hell, fornication, adultery. No, and we you sing, don't hear about any of that. And we sing songs that say God's going to fight my battles. Of course, right. of course, He fights our battles through us. Well, not the old time songs, "Onward, Christian Soldiers." It was the Christians fighting. <laughs> and, and and this, but this is where all we've done is put up our hands, saying, "Oh, God's got it. I've, I'm trusting God. God's God's great." God loves me. God, I'm trusting him because I'm a good Christian. And my pastor says, um, it's it's time to have another lifestyle message today. He didn't tell you the devil's coming for your kids, giving him night terrors. They, that, that the they, devil's put other kids in your kids' path just to, to defile them. We've, we've allowed them to set up institutions to help the devil come for our what kids. What about the fact that the whole story of Easter involves Christ going to hell for three days. Nothing... No, they don't talk about Nobody talks about that. That's never... How, how... If that's a huge... That whole story, that whole series of events... Some of them drop that out. You know that. That, of that the whole series of events is, is, is the story of, of resurrection. You rem but you remember the Instagram post I made, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't go through hell so you wouldn't have to. He went through hell to show you the way out. That was because of this. It's been there the whole time. Interesting. I know that some uh, some congregations uh, in the uh, in the Apostle Creed and the Nicene Creed they drop that part out of the descending into hell. So this is my my own personal situation. I'm not saying they deserve to die, but I'm saying I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold a vigil if something bad happens to people like Christians who underestimated their enemy. I'm not gonna be concerned about them. It's gonna be like where the dead bury the dead situation because up until the point that something happens, we're gonna do everything we can to reach them and connect with them. But this is where the line in the sand is. There are casualties. If this is a holy war between good and evil. Every war has casualties on both sides. The church is setting up people to be needless and reckless casualties. The church will also become a casualty of this. Well, I, I don't doubt that because uh, even in this book, what happened in Poland, the religion was the bedrock for resistance, but it was not in the church. It was people meeting first in what they called salons, or where you would meet in groups, coming from universities and, and churches where there were rogue priests, where there are some today. We, just, we listened to a website today that had a priest on it that really called the Catholic Church. Uh, but, but again, all, all this, and so this is what I keep getting at, and this is what, there's so much reading, there's so much talking, and there's so much blindness. There's so much sleepness. Is that a word? Word committee? It is now. Sleepness. Sleepiness. Sleepiness. It just sounds <laughs> funny. Um, uh, all hell's coming. The whole thing's going to be emptied out. Well, I agree with you that hell's coming. But it, within that hell, we have to have a strategy to live, survive, and to surpass what's happening. And I think that's really important. And it's, it's going to be by first decentralizing. 
for Christians not to tear each other apart, but realize where we are now, becoming groups. From the groups, we become communities. The communities live and establish the laws of God within those communities and put the correct definition to words so they have discernment what the enemy is doing. But how do they do that if they're about to outlaw the Bible for hate speak? You're talking about a process that would take potentially decades. Well, don't don't forget Renault said, uh, oh, the Bible will be gone done in about 25, 30 years. No, but, and it still exists. We have to be the protectors of that Bible. But that what, Bible's what the, a holy writ. But the nation, the nation, the nation as a whole, they will not stand. It the the nation as a whole is the last stronghold of freedom to read the Bible openly. Like you'll have it in other countries where they haven't directly outlawed it. But if we change our institutional footing on how legal the Bible is and what it stands for. That will give the green light to so many other countries to do the exact same thing. Well, it's already being determined as offensive. You can't bring it into schools. If you have a Bible study, it has to be outside of the school, you know, that type of thing. So it's coming. They're going to outlaw it, but it doesn't mean they're going to outlaw it in my heart, in my mind, and in my hand. But what if if there's a whole generation of people that live without that book being accessible and available? The, The structure which you just spoke of? Is that's why you had to go back to family cells and community cells. We have to start bringing up our children within those. But you can't do that unless there's an institutional response. You can't. We have to create the institution. I, I think there will be some churches that will come over, but uh, th- and there will be a movement within certain churches. But I don't think that's going to be the majority of churches. And so I, I think what I'm, because you know, you and Jason are talking about the same thing, right? Starts with the family. Then, then a community, then it grows. And I'm like, right. no, you need paddles. You need clear. Put the paddles on, the, break open the shirt, put the paddles on, jumpstart someone into a posture. And we talked about if people are afraid or asleep, what's the best thing to wake them up is anger. They have that. You don't have anger from a posture of, I'm going to fix my well, family, my home. I agree. You have to hate sin, okay? And you have to hate sinful action. But I also think that you have to respond to it in a Christian way. It's not anger against anger. It's anger against love. And that's a different thing. And I'm not saying we can't protect ourselves. I, I'm not saying that... Um, I'm, I'm saying to get angry at the apathy. You get angry at the apathy. You, 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 dis, you descend out of this society into smaller societies that say, you can live that way, but I will not. I will go and one of the last chapters, chapter 10 in this book, is the gift of suffering. Uh, 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 Havel and all, all the ones that brought Poland back, every one of them spent time in jail. Many, many Christians were killed and just thrown in the river and all these other horrible things. So when you hear the pastors give this message saying, God's with you, God's for you, God's going to bless you, where's the bridge between that message and that reality? You had to get up and carry his cross. We're in that time. We're in the same time if you read what it was like in Christ's time. It's in our time again. And we have to do what Christ did. Christ never said, worship, uh, he never said, worship me. He said, follow me. And that's the big difference. It's like somebody say, well, I believe in Christ. Well, oh, I believe in Lincoln. I believe he existed. I believe he said certain words. But when you say, I believe in Christ, that as a historical figure, 
as something you heard about on Sunday or you saw it on History Channel? Or do you say, I believe in Christ, my Savior, Lord and Savior, Son of God, who gave us the Holy Spirit? And I will follow him, I will suffer for him, and I will die for him. So let's say this message got out tomorrow, your message of fix the family, fix yourself, fix the family, right. create a community. What's, what's, your, uh, what's your tale on that? How much time will that take to effectuate and actually change the American society at large to push back on the language? How, how, long, was, how long was Poland under Russian uh, influence? It's, you know, it's still a secular state today. Decades. So uh, there are still families there living in cells and not living like the rest of the world lives. And uh, that may be us. That may be us for a long time. Many of us may sit in a prison someday for what we say. But do we, but, have, do we have decades to, to wait that out? Yeah. This is the long haul. But do we have decades? Well, if we don't, we'll still have a happy ending <laughs> because we're Christians. It, I, I think I'm better off as a Christian if we lose this country politically and I lose my life trying to save it than those who claim victory because they now have the fatherland or the state, you know. As in you and, you and I are of the same ilk in that fashion. Yeah. Well, we all have to be that way. Okay, Monica, were you before December 3rd? Can the microphone hear me? Yeah, mm. I can hear you. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. No. Okay. okay no. So, so, so if prior to December 3rd, if you had heard Graham say that, would that stir you at all? No. Wouldn't move you at all? Wouldn't even move your needle, would it? No. You would think that's for someone else? That's for someone else's imaginary life against, you know, for God and against the devil. <clears throat> so it wouldn't even impact you or compel you to change. No. And so if you know that the majority, 80%, potentially, of Christians are her prior to December 3rd. How? What's the efficacy of, of your solution? The only okay, because if we live in truth, truth will be the example and Satan will overplay his hand. I see it happening even now. Yeah, of course. I see it now. This, this Good Friday, man, there was one hot mama trying to uh, pray and, and take communion with her one-year-old kid. And she would not relent. And then there was another minister that actually shamed the police out of the office, calling them demons and everything else. And I was just Gestapo, singing. I, think, yeah. I was singing, hallelujah, man, you got it. You got it. So as this comes in Satan, in his arrogance, because he can only intimidate and... and Imitate. Yeah, he imitates. He yeah, imitates. Yeah, but, intimidates, but, imitates. But remember, and then, he's 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 one component of this. What's the other component? A church without contrition, not seeking God on its knees. They will fail. They'll become the state church. So, they will they will be the one that that welcomes the Antichrist. So, based off the current language, the current trajectory, the current effort of the enemy, the current lethargy of the church. Right. How many people do we lose, body count wise? How many? How many morgues do we fill? Well, I remember that verse about narrow is the gate. It's very narrow. Narrow is the gate. So I'm okay with things popping off. How many Christians that are even totally fine with it are looking at their family and their family isn't shored up and their family's not fine with it? 
One of them's dealing with anxiety. They're all being attacked. All of them. And so they don't even have that footing. And so listen, God loves all of them. But at the same time, as a father who's going to look at his daughters and say, I'm going to try and keep you from deprap, from how depraved this country is going to get and the world is going to get, he has no power to even do it. Because if he dies, it's fair game. If he's arrested, put in jail, they're fair game. Everything becomes fair game. And I guess what my goal is, is to make the Christian body aware, you are so fair game right now. So what, if I'm a father, then I have to lead, <laughs> I have to lead a Christian example. I have to live by Christ, my... My family has to see me on my knees. They have to see me do service to my fellow man, love God, pe- love people, and try to change the world. Totally. This is what I have to do on a day-to-day basis. And no matter what comes, that's what I stand for. And um, it's not social justice because there is no social justice it's in bullshit. this sphere. You know? That's all garbage. And it has nothing to do with black and white. And these are the only paltry arguments they have, but they're winning because we have always backed away and not put forth the laws and the scriptures and the teachings of Christ. We don't even like to say it's a Christian nation, but it was a Christian nation. I don't think it is now. So so what moves God's heart if the minority is reaching out to God, fasting, praying, right, interceding? But the majority is saying, oh, God's got this. And God's like... Well, isn't it in, in Elisha where it was it was only like out of 7 million Jews, only, uh, I don't, what was it, 174,000 or 77,000? 144, it's 12 tribes. 12 tribes. I'm not sure if that's a 7... It could be the 7,000 remnant. It could be the 144. Yeah. I'm not, I think it was 7,000 remnant. Or, but, yeah, 7,000 remnant. Yeah. And they, So we're talking a big minority there, man. <laughs> okay, Okay. so if, okay, hypothetical speaking, America with 330 million people, with 100 million professing Christians or more, maybe 200 million, right? Let's say it's 100 million. Do the math. 100 million people profess to love Christ and 7,000 in the country end up surviving. Mm-hmm. Is the world going to say that there's a loving, benevolent God that fought our battles? No. He already did. He, are, he already he gave already us the did. authority. And well, it's all, it's, it's going to win. When, when Christ returns, every knee will bow. And everyone will know. But but that's but the damage between right now and then it's going to be catastrophic. So that. so that's if if the church is aware of that, right? That's that's why well, I feel it's not aware. Of but it. but that's why I see, that's what I'm saying. No, there's there's there is a there is a posture of you know live by example, raise your family, develop community, and there's a posture of I need paddles, I need to resuscitate. A dead body. That is evangelizing people through your life and through what we say. This is a paddle. What we're doing right now is a paddle. We're bringing out a discussion that isn't in the church. But I think that's why I don't... Part of me doesn't want to... And I want to talk it out. But part of me doesn't want to tell people that there's a long game approach to this. There's a short term and a long term approach. But there is no just long game of loving people, being nice and setting an example. There's absolutely an ardent about face. And the paddles that have to be, you know, wake up a sleepy, tired, lethargic church. 
if we do both of these, we stand a chance. If well, we do one without the other, we don't stand a chance. We, get, we go back to words and action. Um, I, I think Christians always have to be nice. And by reprimanding uh, false teaching, we are being nice because we're trying to uh, save somebody from their their own indiscretion. And I love that because that's what God did for us. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, what... Correct, correct. I was terrible. I was the heathen of heathens. Yeah. Chief, but, chief what? among them. What? The, the, oh, I am. I am the heathen of heathens. I'm the least of you. <laughs> the, the thing that brought me around... Well, that's what really, you and Graham have in common. And, and I'm sure my father thought that it was a losing battle with me. But he brought me up in the ways of the Lord. I did not follow them for a very long time. But uh, the loss of the battle was not as prolific and in your face and in the media parading around like it is today as it was then. Oh, I know that. And, I know that. And, it's a stronger battle now. And that's why I always grew up knowing that, listen, the book of Revelation has to play out. The end has to come. One of our generations will, in fact, be the last. Correct. But the wartime message... We have the ability of pushing back the gates of hell through prayer and fasting. At the very least, exhaust yourself there, along with planning how to be good, you know, walking a good life, being a good person, right? At least do that, because then we might be able to actually gear up, prepare our family, have that long-term plan reintroduced and taken out, but... The problem is, without the wartime message hitting every single heart and soul in a, as a paddle in itself. Well, okay, define wartime message, because I, I see it as moving it from anything political or within this world to what it really is, is a war between two kingdoms. So the language changes immediately. There is no more trans, bi, there's simply sin, right? There's homosexual, which is, which is all variants of whatever you call it. And by the way, there's no gender dysphoria and young adults there might be some confused kids right but you're not touching our fucking kids not a single child will be touched they can go through the same motions as everyone else then we push back on education saying oh you want to teach something weird i'm just gonna remove my kid entirely there goes your state and government funding good luck keeping jobs all of a sudden, our dollars, our time, That's what our we have to do. So, but that means that every single kid should be pulled out of California schools tomorrow. I agree, but that's not going to happen. But it won't happen. You don't, you don't have Christians maturing like and that, and you and you don't have <laughs> you don't have a godly fierceness coming out of the pulpit. You'll will, you'll have a temp, you'll have a temper. But what it's going to come is as that roller coaster starts diving down. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, you know, praise God and pass the ammunition. Right? I mean, that's where we're at. There's a song about it. Well, my ammunition is the Holy Spirit. I won't bring that because, song up. Because I think, I think that we... It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. And our ammunition is the Holy Spirit. Well, it's, should, the, it's the love of Christ within us. Yes and no. Come on, jump into yes, this one. Yes, I, yeah, I do. A woman... <laughs> Okay, but let me well, touch I on. Call you a woman. Let me let me touch on this really quick. Okay, so Graham, a, you you said your ammunition is the Holy Spirit, but before you just said your ammunition is the long game of how to push back on the enemy. Well, you do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. That okay, so that's what. Remember, like the the long game is human effort, but that narrative and that lens has to be put there. And the church is having trouble getting people to even open up their Bible, let alone desire spiritual. Gifts. I agree with that completely. Right. 
But I think there's a solution. The solution is to have Christian soldiers. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> that so old hymn, that with, old, old hymn. With a militancy, but in saying that, the way a language has to be consistent. It has to be, how I see it, the way the action needs to happen is that people, Christians, need to pray differently. They have to pray differently. They have to show up for God in a different way. That's so a bit, so that things part. are revealed to them differently. And then they know how to move forward and make decisions and take actions, all these actions in the world that you're talking about. But what if for they example, don't want to? Well, then that's, you can't, that's it. There's what, no, what if, ha- there's what, no, if you don't want to, then that's it. What if they still want to call themselves a Christian? And they think that they don't have to. Oh, believe me, that's going to happen because you well, hear sure. this. The majority of people will. But all I'm saying is you, you, you said to me, December 3rd, the date of my personal experience with the Holy Spirit and deliverance, which was pretty, pretty awesome and fierce and violent and not like a walk in the park kind of experience. Um, I wish everybody had that experience. Because when you have that experience, you have an understanding of his love and his wrath and his fierce desire for your soul. So when you have an understanding of that, and then you have an understanding that death, right, death isn't, isn't real because of an experience that you get with God, you get, you get a sense of God's mightiness, then you move about the world in a different way with a different type of authority. If you don't have Correct. that... You can't relate to it. So you can you have the power. No, you you really can't. So it's like you have to be on your knees praying to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive what He wants you to do and what He wants you to know and how He wants you to use your gifts. But it has to be done in a in a way that's different. That's not just about going to church. That's not you know, which is the good news because it's just you and God and the Scripture. You don't need anything else. You don't need other intermediaries to get to that place. You need someone to tell you this, right, applies to every single man and woman. You are a king. The Bible calls us kings and princes of the Most High. A teacher still needs to have to say, you know, say the word in order to stir someone. Maybe we're that teacher in that sense, right? But so I, I know what you're saying. I'm not. I don't believe that you're negating that. But that if they're not opening the Bible, they're not going to get it themselves. If they're not going to church, they're not going to get. It. If they go to church and hear a bad message that they don't like that offends them, they're not going to connect. So you're looking at dead people walking. Right. So the the way that we've been praying at the fourth watch is in the morning on our knees. It's it's you and God. It's scripture. It's, it's walking, doing these prayer walks, geographic, re- reclaiming territory, geographic praying, praying at one o'clock in the morning and walking for hours, praying. That has transformed everyone's prayer life. And that has made them understand the nature of the power, the nature and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because unless you understand truly how strong and fierce and powerful and empowering that is how are you going to go off to battle against like the secular common culture like how are you going to get that fire to believe in that even right you've got to feel it in your heart if you just have it in your head as a concept oh yeah things aren't going well okay have to fight 
okay, well, I want to fight, but how do I fight? You have to be like lit up with it. It's got to light you up. I, I think that's the first step is, 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 is that, is that fire? Otherwise war, you can't go to war without feeling that heat, you know? Which is what I said. You have people asleep and afraid. The only thing to bring them out of both of those simultaneously at scale with a measure of effectiveness, it's that. Right. So my personal experience, I never knew what that was until I had that moment but in did, prayer. But did culture tell you that was wrong? Absolutely. I didn't even know. I didn't even understand what I was saying and shouting and feeling so, and experiencing. So a Christian actually has to rally themselves inwardly against culture. Yes. They have to That's value the they have to value what the Bible says. That's the first step. Even if they don't understand it, don't they know how to act like, it. They have to know that the, what the Bible says is greater than what the culture is telling them. You got to feel like you're a stranger in this world. You have to know your enemy, but before they even need to define their enemy, they can feel this. The Holy Spirit will reveal that. If you're presenting sincerely and with humility and showing up again and again in your prayer life, the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. Let me ask you a question. And like Chris was saying, when the thing happened to him, right? He got really hot. It's like everyone has kind of a similar heat. You don't get that heat from a peaceful thing. That heat is literally the fire under your ass, right? So it's 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 not a quiet experience. So before December third, what would it have taken you <laughs> to get angry? For someone to die. How many? Because one person dying is an event that people face all the time. So how many people would it have taken for you to have actually gotten? you know, wrestled out of your comfort. I don't, I don't She would have I just don't, been depressed and on benzos. <laughs> well, that's true too. Yeah, it would have been. I would have gone to a depression, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of people do. They, they, they do. Um, but so, so that to me is the first step in this whole conversation is the way people are praying right now the way christians are claiming to be christians the way christians are claiming to pray and i mean that collectively with their families or whatever but i i, I also mean, mean that more individually it's a, it's a, it's an individual it's an individual journey i feel like we need so, eight, eight microphones and cameras for like eight people to like dialogue this out i think this needs to be the conversation at scale that people need to see and hear yeah where, where we can talk this through everyone's respective position. Yeah. Because yeah. because people need it. They need a jumping off point, right? They need their avatar that they can connect with and say, oh, that that's like me. I should go forward here. Yeah. Because, listen, Graham and I can do this all day long. And then they we're going to be, you know, throwing another shrimp on the Barbie when things start popping off. Yeah. Steve, I have to say, I wouldn't be doing any of this if it weren't for December 3rd. I wouldn't. There's no way. Well, that's because there's you see just, the world through a different glass. There's just no way. So what did you think I was I, doing when we went out for Thanksgiving to walk and pray? Because that was what? your Was that your first or your second walk? It's your first. That was my first. So what did you think I was doing? I was, well, you know. 
I, I, I thought you were, you had shared some personal, um, yeah, what it, what it got me there. going on. But and aside, I, but and I understood that. it. I understood it as that. I understood it as like a personal thing for you that you needed to walk out. So personally, so take it like this, that personal thing that happened times every single personal thing that's ever happened to me even the things which weren't entirely my decision or action my legal request to god's court against the enemy is long-standing that's not even the tip of this that's 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 a, a massive chunk of the iceberg but what did you think so did, so did you mostly think that that, inter- that posture was more of an internally processed thing? You didn't understand the spirit behind it. How could I? We hadn't even spoken enough on that topic. And that was before I understood a lot of things. So the, I, I, I did that and I, I, right, that motivated me. That motivated me. You know because what? because it made sense to me what you were saying made sense to me you were but I didn't I didn't feel it like I didn't feel it um and I I just I just think that when you pray in a different way when you get out of your box since we live in a culture and a society that's very comfortable that's very medicated well, that's very see. numb you know that's very like zone out with we have so many ways to to check out and we do and that includes prayer life and church life that unless you make yourself, unless you take yourself out of that comfort space, okay. shit, I can't, like, comfort is a killer. And, you know, I, I feel pretty, like, I, I, I need to do that more because I've, I've definitely gotten, I've definitely fallen off my, my track. Okay, so, but, so when it came to this, and I outlined this whole thing for you, right? I said, you know, the intro point was that deliverance and salvation moment, okay? Let's say salvation is, is at the top. Deliverance and healing and even helping people, it's about yourself and about others. What you did with us is offensive. This is defensive. This is shoring your shit up and shoring up, you know, the, the people in your immediate vicinity mm-hmm. from a helping standpoint mm-hmm. to help them get through their shit. Mm-hmm. We said, no, suit up. Mm-hmm. We're going out. Isaiah Saldivar, Ramirez, people doing deliverance, they are here. Right. That's the majority of people even in this space. That's why this is mm-hmm. sucking on ash and sulfur in the enemy's air because that's how offended we are that the Holy Spirit even has an enemy. Well, we're making dry bones come alive. That's what we have to do. That's, but that still is this part. What I'm saying is when we go out and pray, like you went out and prayed with us as well, we're right. praying against specific named deities. Oh, exactly. But that is the offensive posture where this is just shoring up yourself. This Both is, has to happen. Absolutely. But this should be a way station right. to doing that. Absolutely. It goes together. This middle ground, you can't, people, if if you didn't know that that was even possible, you'd be happy staying here, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, if I, yeah, of course. You'd, yeah. Be, you'd be content that you yourself got handled. You would still try and pray and work on your mom and ask Holy Spirit to intervene, but you wouldn't even know that there's a whole different footing. That's right. But, and more importantly, I wouldn't ever be able to relate to anger ever. There's just no way. So even these items here are comfortable. This can allow you to be a whole deeper level of righteous comfort. Sure. This is great, but that's still... And so th- that's why this is this, this separates the men from the boys, well, right? Why why does one I think 
I've been thinking about that because I was going over some physical problems myself. Graham's going through the <laughs> suffering of Christ right now. And and so <laughs> we keep cracking jokes. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, well, why would I want deliverance? And the fact of the matter is that I function at a high level on a daily basis. I haven't stopped that even with what I'm going through. And I had this conversation with God in that I said, hey, look, <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, at my age, I don't even need to be here. If you think I don't, I'm, I'm not profitable in the service of you, take me. But on the other hand, if you want me to be this uh, individual that can make substantial change, then I can only do it with your strength, your power. Yeah, give me healing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Heal it. You know, it's because um, uh, it's it all comes, as Christ said, you know, uh, let this cup pass from me, but on the other hand, thy will be done. That's why I'm, what I'm trying to get at is you start in with salvation and deliverance. Right. Holy Spirit desire. You shore yourself up help others regain their footing for the purpose of going on the, the offensive. the purpose of going on the offensive. That's the key And point. I would argue that the majority of Christians don't even have that deliverance piece. Nope. Because the ones I have spoken to in trying to pursue, you know, intellectualizing things, which I enjoy, but with, with pastors and other people that I consider to be senior in church and have had long careers or long paths and lives when they're talking about the bible or about jesus it's not with any kind of fire fervor zeal and then you talk awakening and, and i'm and i'm like bouncing off the walls with what happened to me and they're looking at me like what am i hearing and, and then every time i talk about it i'm get your enemy by the throat hunt right but my point is, since there's that, there's that um, complacency, the first, you know, the the first step in that is is definitely the revival step, and not the complacency. But then once they're there, like you were saying, they can chill out for a while. They maybe wouldn't move forward from there. Everything's great. We're gonna so, write some books. So we're gonna help people. You have because... to let people know that there's a step beyond that. Then. And that's what I think the fourth watch is trying to do, is trying to take those Christians that have a fire and say, you can pivot that and shift that into a much bigger thing. And so that's why the group is great, because you guys have a much more eloquent way of me just simply stating you're all listening to liars. <laughs> well. Yeah. But, <laughs> my friends included, by the way. But I'm this, just saying. Is, this is what I'd like to do. Boskos, Havel, and others started these salons and these discussions this is uh this is terribly long if we uh, i don't know how this thing is going to be edited but what i want people to be able to do is to listen to this conversation back and forth because we're just travelers in this world like you are we're not of it or we're not we're in it but not of it so we're trying to make a difference i know that many of you out there are trying to make a difference but you don't know what what the future will hold for you, even as a Christian. So this conversation, that's the dog in the background. Don't worry about the hound. But 
this conversation is a good starter, but listen, you you need to step back. They have to talk to themselves about you, this. You, you need to reflect. Yeah. What's the Holy Spirit trying to do? Wow, he's really barking at something. What's the Holy Spirit trying to say to you? If nothing, that should scare the shit out of you. Then you're a casualty. You're going to be a casualty. You're just going to be light. If, 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 any, if everything we talked about, which was the language that they're using, they're coming for our kids, right? We're talking about the Holy Spirit, a, bat, you know, a place in the battle, exactly what the Bible says, right? Hating evil. It exists. Monica gets delivered. You get, get, get a sensation of healing, and then the pain comes back. This is the spiritual atmosphere affecting our physical lives to, to the point of pain, suffering, and death. Right. If you do not at least get to this middle ground area, you will never get to the lower part without getting your ass handed to you. But this anger piece, this fire in your belly piece, this has to be something that you can confidently and boldly go before God and say, is this for me? Is this what you want for us? What are we supposed to do with the entire world going its way that it is? Does this matter right now? At least ask that question. That's what this whole conversation I'm hoping should do. Yeah. We, we have to be in a good place. Spiritually, physically, mentally. I think we, I think we can be in a bad place. And that's like, because no, if we, we have to be in a good place to be sharp. And we get that strength. Not not from anything here, but from the spiritual power given to us through the Holy Spirit. And but what I'm saying is, you can be in a bad place because a lot of people think like, "Oh, I'm in a bad place. I can't talk to God." Oh, I'm in <laughs> I'm in a bad place. He doesn't want he doesn't want anything, he's not real. He doesn't want anything from me. No, you can That's be no, exactly you you can be in a very bad place and still reach out and beat your chest, get pissed drunk, and say, "We're gonna talk." We're, one of us one of us isn't leaving alive. Right? Either you're gonna be dead inside me or you're gonna kill me off because I said too much. Yeah. But that's that's it. If you can at least take this and be bold enough to go in your car for a drive, go on a walk, sit in your room silently, uncomfortably alone, and say, I need you to tell me what righteous indignation and holy anger is and what it means to me. That's my hope. And I'm hungry. Okay. Listen, folks. Amen. Um, I think that I honestly think that's the first step. This is a conversation. Anytime you want to write into us, write into us. We want you to be part of this conversation. Write to Graham. Don't write to me, though. (laughs) And then please, please. uh, Monica, too. Write to Monica. Oh, I'll answer. Start talking to your families. Start talking to your friends. Breaking down the partitions. Get weird. Every day is your walk with christ every day is your walk with the holy spirit act like that don't be morning to evening and don't be a casualty yeah because otherwise you will be a casualty in this world and i'll tell you it's gonna it's not gonna be pretty the hard part about getting that conversation with god is that you have to get real with yourself well have a few drinks first That, that usually helps yeah that's why we drink at bible study by the way don't let anyone you tell you it's a bad idea. You have to get real with yourself. And that's actually the part most people can't even do. Yeah. Because that's too much already if, right if, there. If they, that's too much already right there to be so if real they with won't even, If they won't even spend time to read the Bible, yeah, there's no way they're talking to themselves. Because mm-hmm. what do they do? I, I feel sad. I'm going to listen to sad music. I feel happy. I'm going to listen to pop music. I feel frisky. I'm going to listen to... Getting that real with yourself, 
your grievances, your partitions, it is too difficult for most people. So when the pathway is narrow, the pathway is narrow. Because think of all the steps. That's a lot of pieces. And if there are any Christian warriors out there who are actually warring and battling in the spirit, God bless you. God sees you. And and we're talking to you. We, we're part of you. If you're a Christian warrior out there, and by warrior we mean that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you're willing to use the powers that the Holy Spirit can give to you. As well as you collect guns and stock up on ammunition. Just saying. Uh, no. It, it could get to that. It could. it could get to that. but We like both. Steve can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I think the spiritual weapons are stronger than the physical ones. Absolutely. So, thousand percent. Um, what we want to do, one of our main pushes within the fourth watch is feeding people because it's been a tremendous effort. So, that's that's what we can do. Find those things that you can do. Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul. Love your neighbors, yourself. And on these two commandments are based the religions. Amen. Amen. God bless and Godspeed, folks.